if I remember correctly, we were on page 31 at letter C. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, um, obviously, in this latter stage, stage, let's try that again. Obviously, in this latter stage of uh, this chapter, the the point that uh, Paul is making here, uh, the point that we've been trying to make over the course now of a couple of weeks as we're finishing this section up, uh, is the fact that um, what has been created uh, in 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 uh, this this body of Christ is something. There's like two of you saying new. Come on. New. Thank you. It's something new. Okay? And so uh, that's the important takeaway from all of this, more than anything. Uh, certainly, we've been driving that point home. Uh, certainly, we spent a lot of time talking about this and driving that point home. Um, can you do me a favor real quick? I want you to turn real quick to chapter 4. Obviously, we're going to dig into this much more when we get there, but I, I, I want you to see something here, all right? Remember, the first three chapters of Ephesians, and in Paul's, the way he always does things, he always will start out each one of his church epistles with a doctrinal teaching, something that he's teaching us from a doctrinal standpoint. Then... Uh, in the remaining chapters, depending on what book we're talking about, what he'll do is he'll turn that doctrinal teaching into practical learning, how we apply it to, to uh, whatever it is being talked about. Obviously, uh, we are well aware of the fact that the whole book of Ephesians is to reveal the mystery of the church, the body of Christ. It's a revealing of it. Chapter 4, 5, and 6 then in Ephesians, what Paul then does is he turns it to the practical. And what I mean by that is, okay, now that we have this body of Christ, what do we do with it? And how do we interact with it as members in particular? And each one of you, if you are a born-again Christian, you are members in particular of this body, okay? Now, I say all that to say, when you get to chapter number 4, in verse number 11, okay, uh, Paul says this. He says, and he gave some apostles. Okay, did he give apostles to us? No. Today, in the body of Christ today, there are no apostles. If you were here during the Acts uh, series, you know exactly why that cannot be a possibility. All right, so, and he says, and some. So, okay, so we don't have pop. Now, the next one's going to be a little tricky. And some evangelists, do we have evangelists today? Well, depends on how you look at it. From a biblical standpoint, okay, there are no biblical evangelists today. However, Paul very cl clearly says that we are all to do the work of an evangelist. So however you want to shake that to make yourself feel good about it, I don't care. At the end of the day, we are all evangelists. Okay, um, in, in one way, shape, or form. I just wouldn't run around saying that I'm evangelist Frank Salvaggio. I wouldn't do that. 
I certainly wouldn't run around and say I'm prophet or bishop. Well, maybe bishop is okay, but uh, uh, what I meant was apostle, Frank Savaggio. Okay, but here's the point I want to get to right here. And some pastors and, what did I say right there? Let's, Let's stop for a second. Let's all say that again together. And he gave some pastors and teachers. I am fully aware and fully recognize that I, as your pastor, is a teacher first. That's what I am. I teach. That's what I do. That is the way I approach Scripture. That is the way I approach it at this pulpit. There's not a lot of that at pulpits. Many just pastor. And you say, well, what's the difference? Well, anything can be a pastor. If you're shepherding over somebody, anybody could be a pastor. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anybody can shepherd over people. Okay, now, the question becomes is whether they're shepherding over the people correctly or incorrectly according to the Word of God. Hence the reason why I think that Paul didn't make a mistake here when he was talking about pastors, he said pastors and teachers. Because if a pastor is not teaching, then what is he doing? That's the question. Okay. With that being said, regardless, I am fully aware that I am a teacher. And that is the way I approach things. Now, that is not very popular at many pulpits. Not very popular in many churches. At this church, myself and Robert are teachers. We want to teach you the Word of God. And to teach you the Word of God, it's going to take some digging. It's going to take some getting down to it, man. And again, as I said, that's not popular. It just isn't. Because if we're going to effectively teach the Word of God, as you've heard me say many times, it can't be based on my opinion. It can't be based on Robert, the way Robert feels about stuff. It can't be based on what one Baptist church thinks. Okay, no, it has to be based on, because we are teaching something. And we have to understand, we're always teaching something. Now, whether you're, 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 you're objective at the, uh, at the pulpit is teaching. Listen, it, it's like a dad in the family. We talked about that last week, right? It's like a dad in the family. You're always speaking and teaching something. Whether your words are saying it or whether your actions are saying it, it's beside the point. You're teaching something. Somebody is looking at you and watching what you're doing. Somebody is paying attention when you tell Peyton, hey, uh, don't do that, and then you turn around and do it. Somebody's always watching somebody... There's always teaching going on regardless of the situation, okay? I am fully aware that I am very, very heavy on the teaching aspect of it. And if you're not biblically in the know, I I know that some of the things I say pass over some of your heads. The question is, am I doing it wrong? Are you looking at me going... 
I, I just can't follow this guy. He's just, I can't do it. Because if, let me just be humble about this. If that's your approach to it, I just can't follow this guy. He's just always doing that. I, I, it's over my head. Can I tell you that I'm not the one in the wrong? You are. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I will prove that to you when we get to that chapter. Because when you look at the reason why he gave pastors and teachers, he gave them for three things. Number one, for the perfecting of the saints. That's to mature you. Now listen, no disrespect to anybody in this room or anybody that ever comes through this church. Just because it's going over your head doesn't mean I have to bring it down to your level and hurt everybody else. Just so you can get it. I know that may sound harsh, but it's the reality of it. I, do, I, I cannot bring it back, scale it back, so that you can get it. No, that's not what I'm supposed to do. That's not what Robert's supposed to do. I can't mature everybody else while you're struggling with the fact that you can't keep up because, let's be honest, you're probably walking out of this church and never opening the Bible again until the following Sunday. That's probably why you can't keep up. Is that fair? Is that fair? I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to, I'm just, let's be real about it, okay? We're to study to show thyself worthy and approved unto God. Study requires work. You got to get into it and work. It's not just me or Robert that has to study. You all have to study too. And if you're not keeping up or if you're not getting it, okay, Two things are going, one of two things are happening. And if we're being honest with ourselves, probably the, the biggest thing is you're not studying. You're coming to the Word of God maybe once or twice a week. If you come Thursdays, maybe, okay? I mean, we're half a crowd on Thursdays, which at this church, I don't understand. At any other church, I get it. This church, I don't understand it. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not yelling at anybody. I just don't get it. You know, you know in, in the Bible, you know that the church met every day, right? right? We only meet twice a week. And listen, you're not accountable to me. I'm not mad at you. I'm just going, what are you going to tell him when you get there and you forsook the assembly? That's on you. But remember, I'm a teacher first. And to teach, I've got to call out what I'm seeing. If I don't, then am I teaching? What am I doing? Right? So you got to understand that. Our job, number one, is to mature, perfect the saints. I can't, Robert can't mature you if you're not here. Yeah? If I go home and I want to help grow my son and I'm talking in my office with just me to the wall and he's upstairs and now here's a word I said, am I maturing him? I can say all the words I want. He's getting nothing out of it. Does that make sense? Okay, number one, I'm supposed to perfect the saints. By the way, if you truly, fully want to understand how it looks to perfect the saint, go read 1 Timothy, because that's where he shows us how to perfect the saints. Okay, uh, number two, it's our job to then teach you how to do the work of the ministry. Now, let's be honest, most people don't even know what the work of the ministry is. They don't even know what it is. They just think, oh, I come to church. I'm doing the work of the ministry. Wrong. 
no disrespect to anybody that does this because we need to do these things. They think that coming to church and vacuuming the floor, setting up the chairs, no disrespect to John Crosby, you do a good job of it. Uh, whatever, whatever it is, none of that's the work of the ministry. And you say, well, oh, oh, you know, run the sound, uh, whatever. Now listen, do we need all those things done? Yeah. But is that the work of the ministry? You want to know how I know it's not the work of the ministry? Because I read 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy is all about the work of the ministry. And I don't see any of that stuff in 2 Timothy. You want to know what I see? The two things that are eternal. The word of God and the soul of men and the importance of those two things. That's ministry. When you're pouring the word of God into somebody. Hence the reason why 2 Timothy 2.2 is in 2 Timothy. You go, what is 2 Timothy 2.2? 2 Timothy is, teach thou others, faithful men, so that they can what? Do so. It's called discipleship, folks. <laughs> okay. That's the work of the ministry. Win, build, send. So no disrespect to anybody in here, but man, if you're not doing that, if you're not a Paul, and if you're not being a Timothy, both, then you're not effectively doing what you have been called to do. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what your Bible says. It's my and Robert's obligation, because we're going to be held accountable for this, to mature you and to prepare you to do the work of the ministry. Not just to say and talk about the work of the ministry. Do it. Y'all understand? And then finally, it's the edifying of the body of Christ. It's our obligation to teach to you, mature you to the point that you now are in a position where you, you can edify the body. That's my job. That's Robert's job. Y'all got that? That's our jobs. So, and I'm not saying any of you do, I'm just saying. If you ever sit in your seat going, uh, uh, this guy, man, I just don't, he, he, over my head, I can't get this, this is all, why does he keep saying that? I mean, my gosh, just move on already. That, no, no. Let me tell you something. Again, no disrespect to anybody here. But why do I keep having to say it? What do you think that might be? Why, why do you think the reason is? It's important. Why else? I'm going to be held accountable. Why else? It's not happening. So if you hear me keep hammering on stuff, it's probably because you're all not doing it. It's collectively as a body. Maybe some of you are, but not everybody is. So me and Robert have to continuously hammer this stuff because we're trying to help you. We're trying to grow you. We're trying to get you ready for that judgment that's coming. And if it's not happening, if it's not going the way it should biblically, then yeah, I'm going to keep hammering on it. You want to know why? Because as much as you want to look at me and go, jerk, he keeps saying this stuff. This guy, is, he, oh my gosh. I mean, he just keeps hammering this stuff. It's, we've been talking about this for four weeks now. Move on already. I'll move on when you start doing it. I'll move on when you start getting it. You want to know why? Because while you're calling me, whatever you're calling me, I'm loving you enough to keep telling you. I'm loving you enough to keep telling you. 
Y'all get that? Do you understand that? Listen, I, I, I don't think, I think I speak for Robert here. If I don't, say whatever you got to say. Say he does not speak for me, but I think I do. We put a lot of hard work into this. We study. We take the time to read. We take the time to rightly divide. We, 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 listen, as much as it helps me, and it does, I think, Robert, you would agree, God's word beats the, I was going to use a word I shouldn't have used there. God's words beats you up pretty good before you ever get to Thursday, doesn't it? Same thing here. Okay? So listen, I'm not saying I'm better than you. I had the same issues with you. There's a lot of things that I'm not doing that I should be doing. Okay? But, but, that does not negate the fact that this body of Christ, this local body, can't just be a knowledgeable body. It has to be a working body. It has to be a body that is doing the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, and the edifying of the body. Because as much as it's my job and Robert's job to do that to you, it's also your job to do that amongst one another. Y'all understand? When we get to chapter 4, we're going to spend a lot more time on that. I wanted to get to that and and, and kind of... bring that out because we're talking about now in letter C, the household of God, the household of God. And what we need to understand when we're talking about this household of God, as we're going to see at the end of this chapter, is that, and I've heard this way too many times, and it drives me nuts, and I've heard it a lot down here in Jacksonville. I'm not saying it in other places. I'm just saying Man, if I had a dollar for every time I heard something like what I'm about to tell you right now, I'd be a very rich man. We would have a very, very nice church. Okay? That's just how often I've heard somebody say something like, well, the church isn't the building. We're the body. You ever hear that? Have you ever said that? Because let me just tell you something right now. That is incorrect. That is a wrong answer. If that is what you're saying or if that's what you think, you do not know your Bible very well. Okay? Now let me tell you how you correctly say it. The church is a body. We are the body. And the church is also meets in a local building. They're both right. And God puts heavy weight on both equally because God is a God of balance and in a, a false balance is what so make sure you get the fact that we are the household of god we are the household of god it is collectively as the body of christ over uh, all the souls that are, are born again in, in in the universe and it is also a collection of local churches of the body of Christ, which is what we are right now. It's both. And you're going to see that uh, very clearly at the end of this chapter. Okay, with that being said, Psalm 65.4 says, Blessed is the man 
whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts, who shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Now, if you read that verse based on what I just said, notice both are mentioned there. The, 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 we are the temple. Yes? But to dwell in his courts, to, to be satisfied in his house, what am I going to say? Is the court in you? Is that what the Bible says? Is his house in you? What's in you? The temple. The courts and the house are what? Look around. This would be the court and the house. Y'all, y'all, y'all get that now? Okay. And if you grab onto the understanding that both are a reality, it's going to help you understand some things. It really is. For, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. Yet some of you forsake it. Look, look, look what David said here. I'd rather have a day in your building than a thousand somewhere else. Wow. Sounds to me like David had the right perspective. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wickedness. Well, okay then. Obviously, he's not talking about the temple that's in you. Does that even make any sense? No, of course not. Do you see why it's important to understand the difference between the two? It's very important to understand the difference between the fact that there is a local body and then there is a temple within you. Most, at least from my perspective of people that I've talked to, do not understand it. What they will say are things like, well, you know, yeah, I'll come to church when I feel like it. You know, I, we're the body though. I can, do, I can do the work right from my own home. I don't need to be there. Okay, that may be true. However, here's my perspective on this. Then you start talking to them about the work, and guess what? They haven't a clue what the work is. Well, how are you going to do it? People don't even know what it is. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't need a pastor. Well, then, just rip Jeremiah 3.15 out of the Bible if we would. We don't need Jeremiah 3.15. We certainly don't need Ephesians 4.11 and 12. I mean, if you don't need a pastor, then what that, then man, you're on it, man. You got to have this down so good, you know exactly what you're doing. And yet, you start talking to them, and they haven't a clue. Y'all see the important, if we're going to understand how the household of God is to function, then we better let God explain to us how it should function. And then, once he explains it to us, I would say, hey, either then you're going to fall in line or you're not. However, all I can say is, folks, all I can say is, when you forsake the assembly, when you forsake the pastor, when you forsake the body, when you... Do know what you're stepping over to do it. And I would really pay attention to what I'm about to say right now because this is so true 
and it's so absolutely 100% biblical. You're stepping over the blood of Christ to do it because he purchased this with his own blood. It means more than you'll ever and I will ever understand. The household of God is a big deal. It's a very big deal. And when he's writing to Timothy, when he's writing about the perfecting of the saints, the maturing of the saints, right? What's he say there in 1 Timothy 3.16? That you know, will know how to behave in the household of God. And can I just be honest? I'm not so, so sure. We know how to behave in the household of God. And can I just be more honest? I think there's going to be a very big accounting for that because we're stepping over the blood of Christ to do it. Whether we understand that, whether we see that, whether that computes in our mind, whether we even give thought to that is beside the point. Reality is reality. And the reality is we are going to give an accounting for that. We are. So with that being said, Listen, man, we need to learn how to behave in the household of God. He purchased this with his own blood. It is very important. Psalm uh, 135 says, He that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. If I had your Bible open right now, I'd be circling this because some of y'all. Kind of just stand there. Some of y'all, no disrespect, aren't even here. I'm not mad at you. You come and go as you please. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. I wonder how the Lord feels when the congregation is singing praises and you can't open your lips for one word i wonder how the lord feels then when we're singing praises you're not even here do what you want with it man remember what i told you before we started i'm a teaching pastor i'm just going to tell you what the bible says what you do with it is what you do with it i'm not mad at you it's not like I'm sitting up here going, oh, look at that. That Gary Thorson, he came in late. Uh-uh-uh. I promise you, I'm not even paying attention. I'm looking at my music because Chris is playing in different capos. Okay? And I got to pay attention to what Chris is doing because I, I, I don't even know what's going on. Cheyenne's, you know, I don't know. What, where is Cheyenne? Okay, good for her. Darn it, I can't make fun of her. <clears throat> All I'm telling you guys is, this is the household of God. We need, is that a fair word? We need to have a very healthy fear of the Lord. We need to have reverence for what this is. We need to understand just how important this is to him. This cannot, will not, absolutely 
should not ever be replaced by anything. As a Christian, this is your house. Well, my house is at home. Is it? Name me one thing in your house at home that you're going to take with you. Name me one thing that you're going to take with you. No, nothing. This is, you say, what am I going to take with me? What you're going to take with me is every single person that's sitting next to you. What you're going to take with you is the very book that we're, we're preaching out of. That's what you're going to, what, what do you think God has more importance on? I mean, stop and consider. What do you think he puts more importance on? Do you think he could care less about the fact that you were tired? I'm pretty sure he was pretty tired when he was carrying that cross up that, 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 that mountain that day. I'm pretty sure. All that blood that he was losing when they started nailing those, those uh, nails into his hands, I'm pretty sure he wasn't like, Ah, you know what? I'm a little tired for this. Can we stop this and put this on hold till tomorrow? What? Because we're too busy? Because we got other things to do? Because whatever the whatever the fill in the blank is. One of the biggest things that I I love what brother Bill has done with all the equipment and allowing us to be able to do Facebook Live. I mean, we got some outstanding stuff. No questions asked. But I will be honest. There is one part of that I don't like. It gives a lot of people the ability to just stay home. And that part of it I don't like. And I will say, okay, there might come a point where I might just say, And you know what's sad about that? You want to know what's sad about that? It's for the people that live here, right here in Jacksonville. You're going to ruin it for the people that can't do that. And that's going to be sad. And I'm going to tell you what, if that happens, that's on you. Do not put that on me or Robert. That's on you. If I'm seeing that it's hurting the body because it's allowing to give everybody the ability just to stay home and do it, I'll cut it. Because that's hurting you. And when it's hurting you, you're hurting the rest of us. Because now you're not in a position to come and edify the body, as you are called to do. And if you don't believe me, we can go to 1 Corinthians 12 right now, and we can end there. And I'll explain to you just how much, if the weakest link of the body is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, it's going to hurt the rest of the body. Right? Hey, listen, man, y'all heard me say this before, but it's a great analogy. Deion Sanders was one of the finest athletes of our time he was fast he was good he he knew how to cover people wouldn't even throw towards him that's how good he was he was a major asset to his team everywhere he went you took away half the field because the quarterback was afraid to throw towards him but that big athlete as fast as he was as good as he was he got a turf toe a turf toe? Come on, man. A turf toe. And it debilitated him. He could not do his job anymore. 
it debilitated not only him, but his team. Do y'all understand? That is the function of the body. When we, pay, when, we're, when we find that other things are more important than what it is we're supposed to be doing, I'm telling you, man, there's an accounting for it. There is. And we're all going to account for it. Is that fair? Yep. Okay, good. Justin feels like it is. Everybody else must be mad at me right now. I'm a teacher first. I'm a teacher first, man. It's my obligation to make sure that we know what it is we're supposed to be doing. Now, I can't make you do it. And I'm certainly not going to be mad if you don't do it. However, I will say as a pastor, and I'm sure Robert feels the same way, I will say, just like when I tell my kids to do something and they don't do it, do I get a little disappointed? Am I kind of sitting back going... Maybe I'm not the right guy for the job. Maybe we need to get somebody else in here. Maybe they just don't like me. Maybe they'd rather have somebody else up here. I mean, should I feel that way? I I don't think I should feel that way. However, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I've never not felt that way. Because I have. As a member of the body of Christ, you have no issues getting into the house. The door is always open because you are the house and you are in it forever. It's not just one day you are there. You are there now and forever. So as a member of the body, You always have a key. (laughs) You've been given an eternal key. That should be very comforting to you. That should be very uh, 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 liberating for you. However, if you understand that, if you really believe that, then can I just say, start acting like it. Start acting like it. This isn't as hard as it sounds. It isn't as, man, just beat me up. No. And if you're feeling like it's beating you up, then can I just suggest you got way too much of you in you. And there's your problem. Because what's beating you up is you want to do what you want to do. That's why you have a problem with what's being said right now. Because to do what it is you are being called to do requires you to sacrifice self for him. I get that. I understand that. And I understand it's going to sound like a beat up. However, however, when I tell my kids or teach my kids something that's for their own good, Should I just keep my mouth quiet when I know it's for their own good and just let them figure it out themselves? Or do I need to tell them? And say, hey man, listen, this is the way it is. Dad, you're just always telling me that. Yeah, but but Peyton, this is for your own good. You need to learn this. 
Yeah, but dad, you know, why, why can't you just... Not that he ever does. I'm just giving you an example. Why can't I just what? Why, why can't I just what? Let you do whatever you want to do? Because that's really what you're saying. Isn't it not? Why, why can't you just do it like that or say it like that? Who cares how I say it? Who cares what way I say it? Who cares? Who care? At the end of the day, what's the message? And are you receiving what it... Because if it's true, it's true. How come we are so... Our country, man, I've seen what the devil's done. We all know that the, the devil's done a lot of things in this country that is... But you want to know what I think is one of the biggest ones? We've gotten soft. We've gotten really soft. We've gotten so soft, it's becoming borderline pathetic. Everybody in this country, uh, you know, please don't, you know what I mean when I say that. We, we all think we're owed something. We all think that everybody else owes us. We all think that we don't have to pay attention to authority. And we all think, when you got to change the name of a football team because of a name, when you got to change the name of a bottle of syrup, we've gotten soft. We've gotten really soft. We've gotten pathetically soft. And can I just say, that is carried over big time in the church. Everybody in the church is now soft. Don't, don't, don't offend me. Who does that guy think he is saying like that? Who, don't do that. What does that guy think he is? Don't. Again, it's all your opinion. It's all your opinion. And I promise you, I guarantee you, if you would have lived back in the time of Paul, if you would have lived back in the time of George Whitfield, I promise you, those guys brought it way, way harder than I am. We're just soft. We're just soft. If you ever had the opportunity to read some of George Whitfield's sermons, <laughs> man, talk about a man who brought it. I would love to just be able to sit down and listen to that guy. And, you know, they said that he would be preaching for six hours. Pastor, it's been an hour. You got to stop. Yeah, okay. He would preach for six hours. And you want to know how he would preach? For six hours? Y'all ready? You all are going to hell! It's over! What are you doing, Robert? You sink! That's how he would preach. Read some of his sermons. He'd point people. He would call out their sins. He would say what they're doing wrong. And I saw you out there last night drinking. And I saw, and I saw you for six hours. You think I'm bad. Let me start pointing at some of you people and telling you what you're doing wrong. Let's see how long you stay. Do you see what I'm saying? We're soft. We don't allow our pastors, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying this is a whole. We don't allow our pastors to do what they've been called to do. Maybe that's why they're not doing it. Because if I did, how many people you think will be sitting in this church next week? Huh? This, this house, this household of God, 
as I talked about last week, it, it, it functions as a family. That's the way it's supposed to function. Does that mean that the family's never going to have arguments? We're never going to fight? No. It, that's not how it's going to, do, to, to function at all. However, however, the reality is, how do we respond to the arguments or the fights? That is what God's looking for. God's not up there going, you guys should never fight. You guys should never argue with one another. You guys should never disagree with one another. God never said that. You will not find that in the Bible anywhere. What God does say, however, in the Bible is to love one another. Get over it. Fix the problem. Move on. You're a family. But you want to know our reaction to that is? Well, I don't like those people, so I'm going to leave. Is that what you do to your own family? You don't like those people, so you're going to leave? And almost saying that today is like, yeah, that's pretty normal. Because that's what people do. I don't like my brother or sister. Oh, I'm just going to leave. I don't like the way my mom talks to me. I'm out of here. My mom doesn't let me do what I want to do whenever I want to do it the way I want to do it. I'm gone. I mean, last time I checked, you do live under my household. And when you live under my household, you live by my rules. Please hear what I just said. Please hear what I just said. We live under his household. We play by his rules. Oh, he is a good, good father. But let me tell you what a good, good father is going to do. A good, good father just isn't going to love you. A good, good father is going to let you know when you're wrong and get you right. Anybody? You have one way, you have two ways you can look at this. You can look at this as, man, pastor is just beating us down this morning. What the heck? What? Or you could do it the right way and go, man, Thursday was Thanksgiving. I am so thankful I have a good, good father who does look out for me, who does want the best for me. And yes, man, my flesh, it just has me, man. But I'm thankful that the Lord's arm is stretched out even still. His hand is stretched out even still. And yes, that's comforting. And yes, that's a good reminder. But let me bring the boom now. But his hand's only going to be stretched out still for so long. That's the reality. Romans 8, 14 and 17 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. If you're not in Christ, you are not a child of God. That's why chapter 1 is so very important to understand. 
We have to be in Christ to get all the blessings. We have to be in Christ to get the inheritances. We have to be in Christ to be in His body. Can you come to a local church and not be in Christ? Obviously, the answer is correctly yes. However, just because you come to a local church does not make you be in the body. That's the reality of it. Okay, listen, we were not in his image. You all know that. I don't have to go through all these verses that prove that point. We need to understand um, uh, the point there where it says crucify the old man. We need to understand that we need to crucify that old man. Put that new man in you, which is the whole point of chapter number two. Get sonship. Get adoption. Get riches. Get the inheritance. Have your access to the house, the kingdom, through and only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you get all of that. What, what I would highly, highly suggest, teaching pastor, just trying to drop some truth here, what I would highly suggest is you better make sure that the right gospel is being preached or you're not going to get all of that. And you may believe you're getting all of that when the fact of the matter is you got none of that. And you say, well, how, how does that? I, you can't say that. Who are you? Okay. If we all had that, if we all had that, how much different do you think Jacksonville would be? Huh? How much different do you think people would be? When you go to Thanksgiving and you give thanks on Thursday, which let's be honest, probably 75% of America really wasn't giving thanks. They were just there for the food. Right? And then on Friday, Friday, you're shooting people at Walmart because somebody else took a present over you? Oh, yeah, that's real good, thanks. Good holiday spirit there. We got it. We got this figured out. No. No, the way we treat one another, in, in my humble opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, the way we treat one another reflects who we really are. Because out of the mouth is what the heart is. When you watch the way we treat one another, I'm not saying in this church. I'm just saying out there, man. And this is why I say, guys, here's the importance of this, man. If we could just grab onto the truth of this. Listen, I am not, I, I don't care. I really don't care. And what I mean by that, I do care. But I have no, Robert has no control of what happens at other churches we're not there. I have no control. Now, do I care what's happening? Of course I do. I care for the glory of God. But I, but, but I can't control what those people are doing. But what I'm telling you is their lack of understanding, their lack of knowledge, because they're not being taught properly, because they're being more appropriately, or inappropriately as I would say, being taught to love themselves, let's be honest, that's what's going on. And not being taught, you and I stink. 
Our flesh is powerful. And we will always be focused on what we want. Is that what God wants? Is that what God's teaching us? Is God telling us to let your flesh lead and guide you? Is that what he's talking When God is talking about the 41 another's, did he have you in mind to pump up yourself? Is that what he had? I can promise you, you look at those 41 another's, not one of them are about you. And to do any of them, you know what you have to do? Move the heck out of the way because it's about the person next to you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Your place in the church is not the sanctuary. You are the sanctuary. Look at Galatians 6.10 on the bottom of page 32. It says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto... What does that say right there? Bless you. What, what does all men mean? Anybody? All men. All men means all men. Is he talking just about saved men? No, that wouldn't be all men. What would be all men? All men is all men. However, it does say especially unto them who are the household of faith. One another, the way we treat one another, the way we talk to one another, the way we talk about one another, the way we have cliques, the way we just only talk to these people because I really don't like that person or all that stuff. Listen, I don't think we have a lot of that going on in this church, but I've seen churches where that is very heavy. Brittany is no different, no different than Chris. Do you understand? Huh? Justin is no different than Kathy. We are all members of this family. We all, we all should be loving one another the same. And I don't care who you are. And I don't care who I am. We should be treating one another with respect all the time. Always give your brother or sister the benefit of the doubt. Always give them grace. Always one of the things that I've seen often is, man, we are so judgmental. So judgmental. I'm not saying us. I'm just saying as a, as a whole. We're so judgmental. And you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy about that? We're so judgmental about people when we just forgot to look in the mirror. Just forgot to look in the mirror. I think Jesus said something about that, didn't he? Pull the beam out of your own eye first. Right? 
Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. You just said, you just said. So what are you saying? We should, we should, we, you know, we should just let everybody do whatever they want? No, 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 no. There is righteous judgment. We should be holding each other, each other accountable biblically. However, oftentimes what happens in churches, we hold each other accountable based on what we want or think or what our opinion is. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And we certainly can't. You say, why are we talking about? I'm trying to tell you how we're supposed to behave in the household of God. That's what we're talking about right now, is it not? The household of God. Listen, do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. The household gets provision and inheritance. Ephesians 1.11, we read it in the, in the previous chapter, says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Uh, uh, look at uh, Acts 26.18. It says that uh, we, we need to have our eyes open. We need to turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that we may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That is what we should be doing collectively as a body, but we also collectively as a body should be reaching out to them out there because they do not know what we're talking about right now. Well, they go to church, they're good. No, they're not, and you know it. Because before you stepped into this church, you probably weren't either. Now, some of you might have been, and praise the Lord for it. It has nothing to do with this church. It has everything to do with this book. But if you weren't there, you know it as well as I do. We need to give thanks unto the Father. I hope you all gave thanks unto the Father on Thursday. And it wasn't just about the turkey and about the cowboys getting ripped off. Because they definitely did. Listen, which had made us meet. Listen, the Father has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Do you understand what he's saying there? It's a precious, precious gift. It's a precious, precious commodity. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. There was nothing about that that belonged to you. I know that does very sound very foreign to our American culture today. But I'm telling you right now, none of that you deserved. Yet, yet, he gave it to us as a good, good father will. He translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You want to know why? Because you were in the kingdom of the devil before that. You were part of his, the devil's family. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. You got adopted into God's house by the blood of Christ. Because we have redemption. And in case you didn't see it, how do we get our redemption? Through his... And let me just say this again. This is the household of God. Behave like it. Treat it as such. Treat it with reverence. Treat it with the importance that we should put upon it. Is that okay? Thank you, Justin.
Now, what we need to understand, and I'll close here, is we, we, we have to understand that what uh, Paul is talking about here in the closing moments of this chapter, we're putting a lot of emphasis on the household of God. We're putting a lot of emphasis, as he's going to do when he turns it practically, on how to behave in the household of God. Okay, And ultimately, that's what the closing chapters of all of Paul's epistles are doing when he turns to doctrinal practical. The practical teachings is, okay, this is how we are supposed to behave as the household of God. Okay, But what we got to make sure we don't blur the lines on, what we got to make sure we, we, we understand the difference between is the fact that this is not the household of Israel. That's different. And I believe, unfortunately, a lot of what's wrong in the church house today stems from this exact problem. And you say, I know, Pastor, you you really hammer this stuff a lot. Okay, there's a reason why I am. Because we have a major problem here. Okay, when it says in Acts 2.36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that is not all the household of God. Words matter. What he says and how he says it in his word matters. Look at it's not about the fact that 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 we we uh, we we have crucified the Lord. That is not. Please get what I'm saying here. That's not our problem. That's Israel's problem. Our problem is we're sinners and we need a Savior. Our problem is not we crucified the Messiah. That's Israel's problem. Don't make it your problem. Make sense? Okay. Uh, For the house, the house then is the Christian. Right? So we're not the house of Israel. The house is a Christian. We don't go to a temple. We are the temple. Okay? Uh, uh, You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, which, by the way, Paul tells us in Romans, Romans 12, 1 and 2, can be unacceptable. Okay? Because here, they need to be acceptable to God, by Jesus Christ. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? Do you, do, do you even grab on to what Peter's saying there? I think a lot of people just read that verse and just keep on going, oh yeah, that's good, good, okay, good. Do you understand what he's saying? Do, do, do you even... We need to let reality set in on the, to what that verse is saying. The time is coming that the judgment seat of Christ will begin at the household of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? Sounds like to me, our judgment's going to be a pretty serious judgment. Because what he's saying is, 
If that's where it starts, if this is where judgment's going to start, how's it going to be for those that don't obey the gospel? Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? He's not putting the, oh, thank, thank you that we're at that judgment. Good. It's going to go well for everybody. It's going to be great. Now, listen, thankful we are at that judgment. I will agree with that. But it does not mean where it's going to go well for everybody. It does not mean we're going to walk out of that judgment with peaches and roses. Some people, <laughs> that judgment ain't going to go so well. There's going to be a lot of suffering of loss. There's going to be a lot of it. But, as 1 Corinthians 3 says, but you're saved. And you know, there's where you're going to find out just how selfish you really were. Because if you're sitting there going, well, at least I was saved. Do you see the problem? Do you see the problem? At least I was saved. Your problem is you're so, so wrapped up in yourself. You could care less how many crowns you put on his head when he returns. At least I was saved. Well, you know, I, I, what am I going to do? That's just the way I am. What is, what is Ephesians chapter 2 about? You know how many times I've heard people say that? That's just who I am. That's just the way I am. It's the way it is. If that's just who you are, that's just the way you are, that's just the way it is, you have no idea what it means to be a new creature in Christ. You have no idea that old things have been passed away, all things become new. You, if, that's just the way, if that's just the way you are, let me just tell you something. That's because you're all about yourself. That's what it is. And you ain't got time to be what Christ wants you to be because you're all about yourself. We get into the house because of what Christ did for us. You get access to the house according to the mystery that you are his body. What does it mean to be in the household now? It is, a, it is how we get access to God's blessing. That's chapter number one. Chapter number one. Was God's blessing promised to Israel the same as to us? The answer is obviously no questions asked when you read chapter number one of Ephesians. No, obviously not, because those blessings were not even known to Israel. Israel never even knew about those blessings. Those nine blessings, did you read them in the Old Testament? Why? Here's the stamp of approval on the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven if you, don't, if you need something. Why were those blessings not made known in the Old Testament? Because the blessings that were made known in the Old Testament are all physical. These are all... I know, but the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, same thing. Let's just keep preaching that in all our churches this morning. Let's see how we're leading people. doesn't matter what we call our church. Listen, the body of Christ is who we are. It's not about your denomination or non-denomination. It's not about being Baptist. I've heard people say that, and honestly, it makes me cringe. Well, I'm Baptist first. What does that mean? You're Baptist first. I'm Christian first. You go ahead and you be Baptist first, all you want. I'm Christian first. Well, then, Pastor, why did you put Baptist on the name of the church? 
Do you really want me to answer that question? Because I will. The reason why we put Baptist on the, name, on, the, on the name of this church is because we are emphatically making the statement, we do not, never will, and never were identified with the Roman Catholic Church. Because the Baptist, in its true reality, is the only one that can really say that. Now, you need to know a little bit of your church history to understand that. But if you do, then you'll understand that. I'm not a Baptist. I'm a Christian. How about you? Well, oh, oh, you guys are a Baptist church? Yeah, I'm not coming to that church. I wonder why that's happened. Can I explain to you why that's happened? Because we got a whole lot of Baptist churches that have just flat out not done what they're supposed to do. And it's caused harm to the true, to the truth of behind what a Baptist church should be about. Does it matter what type of building we meet in? No. We are the body of Christ. Yes, we can meet in a house, but who said we could not meet in a building? As long as we follow the clear blueprints of Ephesians chapter 4. You don't need Israel's covenant. You don't need their house. You don't need anything given to Israel to get access to God. And by the way, and let's just close on this, the new covenant found in Jeremiah that has been taught so incorrectly for so long is not the blood of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33, let me just say this, has nothing to do with us. Zero. You say, how do you know that? Why would you say that? Well, because read what it says there. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with who? And who? <laughs> Do you know how many times I've heard a pastor preach this and say it's about the church? I'm just telling you right now. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. It is not about us. It is not about the church. The covenants that were made with Israel are covenants that were made with Israel. We do not get covenants. He says there, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel in those days. What days? The day of the Lord. After those days. After the return of Christ. When he, they have recognized and made amends for crucifying their Messiah. This is the covenant. I will put my law in their mind. I will write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. This has nothing to do with you or me in those days. Now what I will say is, are we his people today? And stop waiting for those days and start living in these days where that is a reality in you now. See the problem? See the problem? Oh, yeah, well, I'll just worry about that, that, that then. Well, if you read it like that, then it's certainly going to make it look like that, especially if you think it's for you. He'll put, the, he'll put it in my heart then. It'll be good then. You know, right now, man, I, you know, I, I, you know, it's just the way it is, man. But listen, 
Did you read it, Pastor? It says that in those days, he'll put it in my heart. I'll be able to live like that then. No, live like that now because he's in you now. What are you waiting for then for? You need to do it now. Right now. Because then is going to have absolutely nothing that you're going to be able to do about it. Do you see how subtle that message just was? And man, just a little twist of it. Do you see the difference? This is important stuff, guys. I hope you understand that. Next week, man, we are going to forever put the hammer on the fact that the household of God is not just the body of Christ, but it also is a building. We are going to forever squash that problem. And I've heard it so many times, man. And I want to make sure you understand why that is so unbiblical to make that statement. It's both. And the balance is important that we keep it. Both. Okay? I love you guys, man. I pray for you often. I hope you're praying for me. I hope you're praying for this church. I hope you're praying for Robert. I hope you're praying for who you're going to speak to, who you're going to talk to, the people you're going to engage with. I hope that you're praying that the Lord would use you, but the Lord can't use you if you don't get you out of the way. Do you understand? Get out of the way, man. It's not that hard. Don't make it hard. And if it is hard, your flesh has a hold of you a little more than it should. Huh? Is that fair? All right. Especially you. <laughs> All right, Father, we come before you, Lord. We just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Uh, thankful that uh, we have it and we can read it and understand it. Uh, Lord, help us. We, we need it. We live in a day, Lord, where, man, there's so much pulling at us. There's so much... Uh, uh, just trying to occupy our time and our talents and, our, and the things that you uh, have given to us. And Lord, I, I just pray that we would understand that and we, we, really, we really need to grab onto the idea that all, that all these things that are in our way, all these things that occupy our time, our jobs and, and whatever it else, our hobbies or whatever it else we put in there, Lord, uh, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, these are not your fault. These are our fault. We put these things in our way. We put these things as our priority. Now, Lord, you certainly said that those that do not work should not eat. So we certainly need to have a job. And I get that. But Lord, we certainly can't allow our jobs to direct the things that are most important to us. And that is how we function in the household of God. Lord, Help us to reverence your house. Help us to reverence you and your word. Help us to submit to your word. Help us to submit to you as our good, good father. Lord, if we could only understand that these things are not meant to hurt us, you are just trying to correct us because you know what is good for us. And you know the things and the blessings that you would like to pour out to us if we would just be obedient if we would just truly understand the joy of the Lord that we can have with you and you alone. 
Lord, you promised us so many blessings. And those blessings are all there for us to obtain. But Lord, it does require us to be obedient. So I pray that we would be a church. We'd be a people. We would be uh, obedient to those things that you have uh, given so freely so that we can exercise them in our lives so that we can be all that you've called us to be. Lord, we do love you and we do thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the church said, amen. Amen. Have a good day.